Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Dr. Alan Stephen Leica here, and we have a real special guest, Jonathan Dio. And he's got so many initials behind his name, I can't keep them straight. But the important thing, he is an expert financial advisor and a best-selling author and speaker and an angel and investor. Now, he came from a real interesting path. He was first a Lutheran seminarian. He turned into a Buddhist academic, and then he turned into a financial advisor, which which is really a turning 180 degrees, another 180 degrees, and 180 degrees after that. But But you know, Jonathan is a real interesting person and a person that cares deeply and he after he lost his only sibling in 2021 he wanted to return to a vision that he and his brother shared so in 2006 he had co-founded a company workers financial to bring education financial coaching and tools to people who are either struggling to get started or recovering from some form of financial ruin so I'd like you to welcome Jonathan Dio uh, to our show. Thanks, Alan. Let's go through a little bit of your past. Uh, and you may not want to go there, but it, it would be interesting to have some insights from your past and how it got you to where you are now. I'm happy to go there. I, I have learned probably in the last 18 months in a way that I, I didn't understand before how much the past actually holds on to us. Um, I think that most of my success came out of striving because I wanted so much when I was a kid. Uh, I, was, I was raised you know, with a family that loved me. We had food on the table. We had a roof over our heads, but I didn't get to participate in a lot of the stuff that a lot of my friends got to do because we didn't have any excess money. Um, not having excess money, not having that opportunity made, made money something that was really important to me to figure out, to learn about. Uh, and so I studied it. I studied it. I, I studied investing and I studied business. And I, uh, and I did this as a 10-year-old. You know, As a child, I was looking at this stuff, how to invest. I was reading value line research in a local, I think it was a private ledger office in, my, in downtown Rabbit City, South Dakota, when my mom would go shopping next door. Uh, and, and that interest, uh, put me sort of ahead of the curve when I went to college. And so I was bored out of my mind when I went to college studying finance and shifted to philosophy. <laughs> uh, and so the, the shift to philosophy, my professor said, Hey, why don't you go to grad school? And I did. Uh, and I went to, I started off in, at a Lutheran seminary, as you mentioned earlier. And, uh, when I got there, I learned, unfortunately, this is, I, I got to the Graduate Theological Union and I learned that my scholarship wasn't there. So uh, I missed a letter. They didn't send a letter. No, no idea what happened, but they said, hey, we don't have the, we don't have the money to, to, to pay for you to go through the school. And I was like, oh my God, well, I can't, I can't pay for it. 
And so they sent me to look for other schools that would cover the scholarship and the Buddhist school did. So I shifted to comparative religion and Buddhist phenomenology is what I ended up studying. And I loved every minute of it. Uh, um, and then, and then not finished with that degree program. Um, my wife at the time, my first wife uh, said, uh, Jonathan, it's my turn to go to school. So I was like, all right, that seems reasonable. You know, you've been supporting me. I've been going to school. What do I do for a job as a dropout in a Buddhist studies program? Uh, and so I went back to finance and I, you know, Dean Witter hired me and I, I took the job and I spent five years with different Wall Street firms before I started my own company in 2001. Well, you sound like a, a like Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors in all time started as a boy. He started investing in companies very, very, very early. And I, I think the best way to learn about investing is to invest. And it's the school of hard knocks. It Truly. gives the lesson before it gives the test before the lesson. That's right. Literally, you learn from your mistakes along the way. And, oh, and I've and I've made every investing mistake you can imagine. <laughs> and, and there are good companies and there are bad companies. And quite often it's hard to tell the good companies from the bad companies. Quite often they're there's they're hidden and 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 you know, you have to know how to read that stockholders report very well, and you have to know how to learn or read between the lines. Some, you know, I think that there's, if you commit the time, I think you can actually, you know, uh, if you like that kind of thing and you commit the time, I think that's true. I actually think that the vast majority of people would be far better served. And I think Buffett actually says this, um, you know, owning a broadly diversified, you know, ETF of uh, the great companies of the US and the world and not getting into the analysis of the individual companies themselves, just because it's, you, you, you can't compete with the other people that are doing the analysis. And I can't compete with the other people doing the analysis either. So no. it's a, that's a challenge. One of my many years ago, when we went through one of those downturns, uh, I found Berkshire Hathaway and I said, well, I'm gonna put all my money in Berkshire. And if this is all going down, then I'm going down with the greatest investor of all time. And of course, like all turnarounds, that turned around and I did extremely well. And yeah. so I, I realized the value of having smarter people than me doing the investing for me. Because like Berkshire Hathaway has compounded like 20% a year for something like 40 years. In fact, I'd argue if I had just put my money in Berkshire Hathaway and never gone to medical school, never gone through all these other things, I'd be much better financially off than I would now. But, you know, I wouldn't be the person I am now. So I'm very happy at what I did. But geez, it's amazing how compound interest takes care of a lot of problems. It's true. And and he was like, uh, Berkshire Hathaway is like the original index. Like he, he owns a little bit of everything. <laughs> he does. And, and yet he still is a person that changes things all the time. Yep. He keeps buying other things and getting rid of things too, that he doesn't think are beneficial anymore. Yep. And, and that's because things change and things change in the world. The world changes. So it's good to be, to have a portfolio that's managed, but by somebody that's smarter than you are. If you can find those people. <laughs> That's right. And, and you know, they're out there. And the other thing is to having an index fund, which is not a bad thing to do, because an index fund uh, does well. 
over time. Well, and just buying a good index fund is a good thing. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's the no brainer way to do it. Uh, and most people, you know, most people I talk to don't are, they're not really interested in finance and research, anyways. And so, how do we how do they do it? Well, the index is a good, broadly diversified, you know, way to way to create an asset allocation, which is what most people should be doing. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Just be careful of the fees that some of these funds charge because they're astronomical for doing that. And it doesn't make so much sense to, to lose that when you're just going into a fund. Right, right. And that, that's the one thing I always caution people about mutual funds is mutual funds are not only, are not necessarily for you. They're for one, for the people that are selling them. And, and I had a real good broker in my day and he told me, you know, I would be paid to get you into mutual funds. But he said, I cannot do that because I do not agree that these mutual funds are that good. But mm. boy, would I make a lot of money doing it. For sure. Yep. Commissions are, many of these things are, are sold, not bought. Yeah. So, so it's very important to have people that are good, people you can trust, people that are knowledgeable and people that uh, are, are, are good people in all the sort of thing. Right. You need a balanced human to be your advisor. Yeah, that's right. So I, the investment world is is a bit of a crapshoot in the year in this year and years going forward because the numbers have been pretty high, you know, and everybody's been waiting for a clawback to occur at some point in time and and the values to go down. Is that what you're seeing or how are you seeing the scenario? Well, there's something that I learned, and this is from all those mistakes, um, from all those mistakes I made investing, what I've, what I've taken out of this is nobody can predict or time the market. And at any time, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are calling for correction, bear market. This is overvalued. That's insane. Um, you're almost always better off ignoring most of that stuff as noise because really nobody knows. And, and, you know, a few good examples, you know, John Hussman, who was, after the great uh, after the great recession was was uh, you know on the cover of every magazine and and he was quoted all the time uh, as you know he saw this coming and then he continued to be horribly bearish for the last for the what is that 13 14 years since the end of the great recession um, but the market is up 3x you know 4x since then uh, and so Usually the best time to invest is when you have money to invest and the best time to withdraw from your portfolio is when you need money to spend. Uh, and everything else is a timing and selection thing that no one can predict. Yeah. And Warren Buffett is famous for that. He said, never, never tried to time this thing. Nope. It's, you can't, you can't time it. It just doesn't happen. And, and, you know, he buys when the value is there. Yep. And if there's good value and you have the money, it's a good time to buy, you yep. know, and that's always a good thing. And, and the other thing I like about Buffett is if, if there's nothing good to buy, he buys back shares of his own company, which is another good thing to look for in companies, too. If they're buying back shares instead of investing in something else, uh, that's probably a good thing because there's less of those shares to go around and the shares will go up in value. 
Yeah, look at that in Apple. I mean, that's been Apple's purchased so many of their own shares. Buffett only just started doing that not too long ago. And I think he learned it from Apple when he bought a significant amount of Apple. (laughs) He saw how that worked and he liked it. (laughs) He liked it. So, you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks if, if, if the old dog is willing to learn. That's right. Oh, no one learns like no one learns like Buffett and Munger. I mean, they they do their research and they think things through. I mean, they're brilliant people, both of them. Yeah, they are. And and I, that's what I love about them. And one of the things I've done in my life is I've gone to the shareholders meeting a couple of times in my life. And it's been fun and an eye opener. It's amazing to see 18,000 people in a stadium all listening to Warren and Charlie speak all in one place and to hear the wisdom that comes out and the way that they answer questions from the gallery for hours and hours and hours. I I can tell you're a value investor, which, which is, I think this day and age is rare. Uh, And I think it's, you know, so am I, 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 believe in value. I believe in small companies. I believe in, you know, looking for something that's profitable. Um, th- these are really important factors. These are really important uh, things to invest in. And I think that we get kind of excited about the latest hot thing. And so, you know, there's so much in social media and crypto and this other stuff that I just, I find a, a fascinating school of psychology of money um, because I think that value ultimately always wins. I, I think so. And, you know, when I looked and I saw how Facebook went back by down by how many billion in one day, yep. you know, the next shiny thing is always shiny. Yes. But anything that can go down $25 billion in one day is not something I want to have my a large part of my money. And I'll tell you that. Yep, I don't I don't appreciate that kind of volatility. No, I, to me that that's a little bit outside my comfort zone. That that's crazy what what goes on with us, and we're into volatile times now. You know, we're into times where there's peaks and lows, and it's going to go on. And companies that don't meet those that what they're supposed to earn are going to get hammered. And uh, with this COVID situation, there were winners that won because of COVID, but now that COVID is going away. Those those winners are not necessarily going to be winners anymore. Yeah, that's I mean, that's totally true. And that's what the, the challenge isn't so much in predicting what's going to be winning and what's not winning. It's it's withholding that judgment when you see it happening. And that's uh, what's the what's the uh, the bicycle? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't have one, so I, I don't do it. I don't look at it every day, but it's um, Procore, Precursor, Pre, something like that. Anyway, doesn't doesn't matter. You know, they sold a whole bunch of bikes and and everyone started doing it. And everyone talked about it and they got headlines and that attracted all kinds of investment. And that's investment following something that has already done really well. That's yeah. the psychology. We're attracted by the shiny thing. And when it's shiny and it gets headlines, people invest. And then yeah. those people are, you know, separated from their money. Well, and those, those, you know, because now people are going back to gyms, they're going back to the outdoor environments, they're going back to situations where they can be with people again. So, you know, a lot of that gym equipment sits in your house and collects dust. It just doesn't do anything. Yeah, I don't want to turn my camera and show you the gym equipment in my house. (laughs) Yeah, so so that's the problem with it. It's, It's a nice thing to have. But I think it's something you hang your clothes on after a while because you don't necessarily use it the way you you used to. 
Uh, you know, I like to go for walks. I like to go swimming. I like to go to environments where I can do something rather than just be in my home home environment. Yep. Yep. For sure. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. And it's nice to be able to get out again. And it's nice to be doing those things. Now, tell me a little bit about your charity work and how going to what you've done now in helping these other groups of people because of this, this nasty situation where your sibling died. Um, so the, the, when we started that company, Workers Financial, in 2006, and, and the intention was to bring really good advice, really inexpensive products to people that don't have access to advice and don't have access to those products. You know, that he, my brother worked with the unbanked community for about 15 years, um, creating banking products and, and, and debit card products and access to financial stuff. So they didn't have to go to check cashing places. Um, and in 2006, when we started this thing out, you know, we both had young kids and we, we just ended up having to shutter in a couple of years. And the intention was to pick it back up come, I think it was going to be this year, like like right around now, he, you know, he was going to invest in his last shares of stock. He was going to come join my firm. Uh, and we were going to, we were going to scale financial education, financial literacy training, um, basic finance so that everyone had access to it. Um, and, and it's without us, it's still, it's still happening, but it's being supported by venture capital. So it's being supported as a way to make money. Um, before he died, we worked together on creating uh, some financial literacy courses. So I have these digital courses and uh, what he was going to do is find, give me an avenue, sh sh give us a path to distributing them very, very broadly, the courses, the education very broadly. He's the tech guy. He's the, you know, uh, he knows how to, how, to, how to manage people and he's always worked with teams and he was a CEO of a company. And so he knows all that kind of stuff. I, I'm the content guy. I, I know the education. I know how to talk to them about money. I know how to hear their fears and understand the, the, the things that they're concerned about. And we we're going to work together to make this thing happen. Um, so we have, I have the tool and I'm now giving that tool to pretty much anybody, any group in the country that wants to go through it. We just give people a password and they can, they can go through and offer the tool to their membership, to their group. And there's, you know, athletic groups, school groups, um, groups of high school students, groups of uh, uh, faculty and staff of, of schools, um, all kinds of people have gone through this program and, and it covers everything. You know, it's a modular program. You can learn about how do you read your credit report? You can learn about how do you invest? You can learn about, uh, you know, how do you budget? All the stuff, the basics that people need um, are there as part of the program. And, and if people want to reach out to you or through, through you or through the show notes or something like that, you know, I'm, I give it away. That is huge. And, and uh, you know, that gift to people is a phenomenal gift. Because as I said, there are a lot of investment people out there that are not into it to help people. They're into it to make that commission off their sales and to hell with what else happens after all that, you know, yeah. because they really and certainly, you know, uh, even with the best investors, mistakes are made. I mean, I mean, Warren Buffett has made mistakes along the way and uh, along the way. But even with the best investors, there's mistakes. But the key is, if you have more wins than losses, if you 
do better that you will do well in the investment world. You know, uh, you know, I, I think if you can get a 7% return on your investment a year, you'll double your income, what, every seven years or something like that? Yeah, every 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Every 10. Yeah. So that's not a bad thing to aim towards if you can get it, you know, yep. and, and getting that is not a bad bad way to go. Now, certainly some investments do far better than that, but I wouldn't count on it in this market. Yeah. The, I think the real challenge is, and this is, this is, there's probably four or five different studies on this topic. And that's, you know, how do you manage the psychology when the thing goes down? Uh, if you're the kind of person that the pandemic hit, you freaked out, you sold all your stocks and you, and you, now you're wondering, when do I get back in? that person needs help, needs an advisor to basically hold them accountable to the plan that they have in place uh, and helps them write the plan, helps them figure out what's important to them. But the psychology, when it goes down, that's the thing that keeps people from building wealth. I think more than most other things. Yeah, I, I think so. And it's scary when things go down. And the gloom and doom prognostication that went on at the start of the pandemic was pretty scary. The world's going to go and the world's going to end. The oh, world's going to end. And just, yeah. and just look at what we're hearing now, you know, Russia, Ukraine. It's this, we're hearing the same, it's, it's not the same words, but they rhyme. You know, and, and they do. And I look back at every recession that went on in the last 50 to 70 years, the same thing went on. Yep. And, and yes, we had the potential for things melting down with us, but the right steps were taken and we didn't melt down. You know, we didn't melt down. We, we did okay. In fact, the stock markets went to all time highs. They went to extreme highs. So the answer is um, this could be the best year in the world if we want it to be. Or it could be the worst year in the world if we want it to be. And a lot of that has to do with mindset mm. and persistence and, and people staying on track with all this stuff. Because really, that's what it's about. Uh, you know, fear is an eponym, which means false expectations appearing real. And, you know, there always have been worse. And... You know, there was the Vietnam War, there was the Korean War, there were, <laughs> there was the Afghanistan War, there was the war in the Middle East uh, when the Iranian conflict, there was all these things. And after each one of them, there was a lot, there was a Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and, and it's in the, in the moment that it's happening. The media blows it up, makes it really bad. And it is, it's really bad for the people on the ground. I mean, if you think about the people that are actually suffering right now, it's Ukrainians. It's, it's people that are on the ground. Um, and, and actually the Russians that are sent in, like the Russians are saying, you have to go in now, right? That those people are suffering. Their families are suffering. Oh, yeah. Economies, they're, they're built to overcome this kind of stuff. Economies yeah. are built to overcome this kind of stuff. And it's just, do you have the patience and the fortitude to stick with the plan and just to be patient, wait it out, stay disciplined. Uh, and those that do, they're going to, they're going to thrive. And those yeah. that don't, hopefully they seek some help. And, you know, my mother's family came from the Ukraine and they came to Canada at the turn of the century. They left that area because a very similar problem was going on to now 
where uh, the country was being basically raped and pillaged and uh, a big famine was going on and they mm. were able to get here and, you know, it was a much better situation for them. So, you know, all those people that are leaving those countries are going to be some other countries gained. They, they, they make great citizens, they make hard workers, you know, it, it truly, they're, they're a benefit for the other countries when they, when they get them. Yeah, I hope we open up our doors a little bit more than we have. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life Show. How do you, Jonathan Dio, live a fantastic life? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question that is hitting home now probably more than ever for me. Um, and I, and I, I rethink this almost on a daily basis um, since my brother died in June of, of last year. Uh, you know, I was raised with little. And so I made, I made getting really important so that, you know, not, not for horribly selfish or I wanted a fast car, those kind of reasons. Uh, but I wanted to make sure my family was always taken care of. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad I worked as hard as I did because now I have another family that I'm, I'm not responsible for, but I want to help out with. Uh, and, you know, the idea of spending time together with those people that are important to us, nothing is more important to that than that. And I, for the last two years, uh, you know, pandemic years, and even just before that, I let my social circle dwindle to from, from, from lots of friends. You know, I was the chairman of the Berkeley Chamber of Commerce. I was very involved in my community, lots of boards and everything. And then I had kids and I and it slowly shrunk and it shrunk and it shrunk to during the pandemic, the only people I spent time with outside of my immediate family, my wife and kids, were, was my brother's wife, my brother, my brother's wife and his kids. That's all we spent time with. Uh, uh, and then he died. And the wake up call for me is you really need to have a much broader circle of friends. You really need to have people that you can spend time with. And so I'm, I'm relearning how to make friends. And I have, you know, I have, you know, relationships and I've got acquaintances all over the place, but those deep friendships, nothing is more important than those deep friendships save perhaps your health. Um, so those two things, a fantastic life, I believe stems from your health and fantastic relationships. If you have those two things, I don't care how much money you have. Those two things are what matters. You know, money helps us, but, you know, you can be the richest man in the world and be the most unhealthy. And, and you know, it's not good to have wealth without happiness. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, how can people get in touch with you and your world and the other services that you offer? Yeah, the best best place to go is just to mindful.money. That's the website. All my social media links are there. You can link. I'm, I'm most likely to link up with people and spend time on uh, LinkedIn, but I also spend some time on Twitter and, you know, I, I, I go into the, the occasional Facebook hole too. Uh, but uh, LinkedIn is probably the best, uh, the best social media place, but to find the services and, and the courses we teach, um, mindful.money would be the place to go. Fantastic, Jonathan. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Leica. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. 
Uh, Dr. Leica here. If you enjoyed the show, please follow me on all my social platforms as well. Uh, also, come back often. There's always interesting guests and new things to learn in how to live a fantastic life. Have a fantastic day. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.